feel and that's what notifications are for like psychologically they're meant to get you to go back into the app mm. right there's a reason it dings there's a reason why it looks the way it does there's a reason why don't you get part of the message yes there's a lot of psychological piece in there because if you see part of a message what are you going to go do you're gonna open it. And you you're gonna know. click it to read the rest, yeah. right? And so, if you don't get those notifications, you're like, I don't have anything to go to. You'll find yourself at first, and trust me, I went through this detox before. You'll find like nobody messaged me. <laughs> Let me see. But then you'll realize like, what am I going towards? Like, right. what am I looking for? Yeah, well, as soon as people come in, they uh, immediately, they see all the screens and then it's like, which one's my best side? And they're trying to... All sides work for me. Let's go. There you go. There you go. We like that confidence here. <laughs> it's harder, harder to stay present when you see the it's cameras true. and that's, that's when you true. turn it off. And especially with it so it's dark. Right? Yeah. It's kinda, so it's kind of like... Okay. It really stands out. Well, I, I find that even with people who are regularly on TV... Mm-hmm. We'll look at that and they'll still get distracted. Yeah. And then you'll ask them a question sometimes and they'll, they'll be talking and their eyes are just like, adjust, as they're adjusting yeah. themselves. <laughs> uh, it happens Let's get the game going. <laughs> but uh, Janelle Peters, welcome to the Gents Talk welcome, Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. I'm happy to be here. I want to I read out your bio because there's so many cool things on it, okay? I don't usually write things down. And I say that a lot, but I end up writing more than I say. <laughs> So you're a registered psychotherapist, mm -hmm. you are a mental health clinician, and you work with professional athletes in the NBA Correct. across a spectrum of things, and you do a lot of grassroots organizational work, and you have your own private practice. I do. You are an expert in all things, and we're excited to have you because I want to pick your brain today. All right, let's pick away, <laughs> pick away. Um, first things first, what... Uh, what do people not know about Janelle Peters? Ooh, what do you not know about me? Do we have to be serious or can we be funny? Oh, be as funny as you want. You okay. want to swear too, swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am deadly terrified of pigeons. Um, <laughs> honestly, and everybody's like, that's so crazy. You grew up in Toronto. Like, the, that's their home. Um, they live there more than you. And I was like, yes, hence the reason why I hated going outside. Uh, it was, I just remember one time back in the day going home, we opened our balcony door and a pigeon flew in the house. And from that day, I was like, these things aren't afraid of nobody. Um, if you walk Toronto streets, you've seen them. And so for me, pigeons are, yeah, if you want me to freak out, throw me in a room of pigeons, send me a picture. <laughs> My mental health will not be <laughs> pictures too pictures i don't i just oh, don't movies, like them movies they're just gross to me like ugh, yeah they're rats with wings rats with wings yeah. you know what's funny is mila my girlfriend says the exact same thing yeah, she's afraid of pigeons i don't quite get it yeah no don't like them so <laughs> now you know what terrifies me if anybody <laughs> there you go <laughs> is it more or less terrifying that people think that pigeons aren't even real that this like a People think pigeons are not real. That's a yeah, thing? Yeah, like the, the government, like conspiracy people, like, oh, like, you know, pigeons aren't real. These manufactured pigeons? Man, yeah, yeah, fake birds that the government Let's just has. Let's throw a few in their bedrooms and, and, and see what they that's think. That's why they move like that. Because, like, that's why they're, like, never afraid of anything. They don't move the same as normal birds do, right? They're just rude. Yeah. I'll weird. pass on them. Toronto <laughs> pigeons are rude. They are. Yeah. But uh, the reason, you know, you and I had a, a conversation before you came on, and I think one of the things that stood out to me was just your breadth of expertise like you can cover so many different things and um we were listening to a, a segment you did on i think it was cp24 okay uh around world mental health day mm -hmm. and you talked a lot about the pandemic and the impact that it had on people's mental health mm -hmm. so i think that's a really good place to start because i still feel like we're still coming off the pandemic yeah and i'm still dealing with a lot of people who are sitting there like is it okay that like it's still weird for me to interact with other people. Is it weird that, you know, I, I I find myself being a lot more isolated? And I think a lot of people are like, well, the world's opened up. We're not wearing masks everywhere. Everything's back to normal. But we, we had to adjust to normal for, what, almost three years? And that's not easy. It's not easy to have your life be halted and have to figure things out. And a lot of people are still on the verge of figuring things out. Like, who am I now after that time? What's changed for me? Um, and I just want to know if there's anybody, like if there's anybody listening to this and like, that's me, 
I'm that person still trying to figure things out. It's okay. There's no timeline on what this is supposed to look like. We've never been in a pandemic before. Mm. So take your time as you're like adjusting to what works for you now and what doesn't. How do you how do you adjust? How do you what steps, what tangible steps can you take to actually move in that direction? I think the first thing you could pay attention to is what what have I let go of? Like, you know, what are the things that I no longer find interesting? And what are the things that I need to kind of add into my life now? Like what's missing? And really take that time to stop and create that sense of awareness for you. Like what is really different? What is it about maybe interacting with somebody that throws you off that never used to throw you off before? And how do you want to take a small step into doing that? I think a lot of times we want to jump back in like, okay, the world's open back up. I have to go to a party again. I have to be able to socialize (laughs) all the way. It's like, no, take the baby step. Like go sit at a coffee shop and just people watch for a second, right? And see how you feel about being around people. Just do something simple like that first. But why do you think the pandemic heightened that element of us? where we're so afraid now all of a sudden to be in the company of others. I feel like it's almost, it's given a pass to people who typically did not like being around other people. And for people who were on the cusp, it sort of pushed them over. Well, do you remember when it was like, stay home and only be around like your close family Mm, or nobody else? And it was like, even if I didn't, yeah, like what's your bubble, right? Remember that? (laughs) And it was like, even if I loved socializing it was like i was forced to now isolate more and i was Mm. forced to be more reserved and then i had to stay like that for a very long time and then the world opened back up and they said all right you want to pop that bubble like go back out do what you have to do and it's like i just started seeing what maybe i missed maybe there was people that i'm like wait a minute like why don't they want to come in my bubble why haven't i heard from this person um here's this person i realized i didn't miss and that was a thing for some people they're like i didn't talk to that Mm. person for three years and I was fine with it. Is that weird? And so as we're getting back into that space and, you know, the person who was isolated, uh, the person who loved to socialize, I think we're all adjusting to what did I learn in the pandemic about myself Um, and who am I? Like, who is this person that's now coming outside of the pandemic? And allow yourself to stop and pause and be like, you know what, who am I now? Like, you don't have to be the same person that started at the beginning. It's okay that you've changed. It's okay that things are different for you um, and embrace that. Is there a, a technique? I don't think there's a specific technique that I can share for everybody that's going to work. Yeah. But one thing that I can say, like I said earlier, is really stopping to think about, well, what what's different for me? And once you start figuring out what's different for me, you go, okay, now where do I want to get to? Like, what, what do I want to do next? And take the smallest step that you can possibly take. Hmm. And I say this, and I'm saying it for a reason, like take the smallest step. So like the example you want to get back out and socialize with that friend and you're like but i find myself really anxiety provoking every time i do it okay like what is it is it texting that friend does that do the same thing does you know going on facetime with them do the same thing really kind of feel out where do you get that anxious moment um and from there you take the smallest step and so it's going to be different for everybody and i'll leave you with that because everybody's step is going to look different based on what they are experiencing what is because i know we're always talking about you know, go, doing therapy and we want people to go to therapy and it's always, that's kind of like what we're doing here. But it's like, where do you start? And you're a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. So what is a psychotherapist? So a psychotherapist is someone who can help you unpack really you know, heavy feelings. It can help you maintain where you are in life. Um, they are somebody that with research, with expertise and knowledge of their education, they can help you unravel a lot of things that don't make sense to you. And I think for a lot of people, that's scary at first to think of like, oh, like (laughs) that person's going to go deep down and they're going to grab this about me. And I've done such a good job at packing that away. Why would I want to go to somebody that's going to bring all that shit up? Mm -hmm. And I say to people, think of it this way. So I really love analogies and I'm going to give you one. Um, If you think of therapy as like, just imagine a really messy room and you walk in the room one day and you're like, what the hell happened? Like, how did everything get here? You know, it's just life. We all have done yeah. that before. Yeah. Imagine going out and you throw yeah. everything Next around. Like, My room is all, this room's a mess. <laughs> I didn't, I, who made all this mess? Right? Like, <laughs> and it's like, when did it happen? When did yeah. it get that way? But it's like over time. And therapy is like having somebody come into that room with you and go, okay, I see that it's not the way you like it. Where do we start? Hmm. How about we start over here and pick up this one item? How did that item get there? Where do you want to place it? 
And therapy is like having somebody come into your messy room with you and make sense of things and put things in places where there's where they belong. Um, and that's the best example that I can give. So it's not so scary. It really is more helpful than anything else in having somebody come in and help you clean up a space that feels really disorganized to the point where you can now maintain it on your own. It's a great analogy. What if what if you walk into this room together mm-hmm. and you want to get the socks that are so dirty? Mm-hmm. He like you know we should probably hit that first, but I'm like no no I don't want, I don't want to go there. Let's say we I want to tidy the toys on the ground. Like who gets to choose? You choose your own adventure. It's your room. Okay. It's your space, and a good therapist will allow you to pick. A good therapist will be like, well, there's a reason why you want to start there, so let's go there. But a good therapist will also be like, well, I see you avoiding them socks over there, yeah. right? What is it about those socks that you yeah. don't want to pick up? And you might give me something, you might not, and I'll be like, okay, we'll get there when you're ready. Right. We're going to have to eventually get to the socks and you don't worry about it because, you know, you're going to come around to it. Relationship building is a huge part of therapy. And me going to that toy that you want to work with first is now you getting a way to trust me to be like, okay, she helped me pick up the toy. It's in a good spot. Maybe she can deal with the sock. It's interesting because oftentimes we don't think about relationship building or with our therapist Mm -hmm. and, and how important that is. Because, you know, the I mentioned we filmed an episode prior to this one. And one of the things that we talked about was sometimes when you when men go to see therapists, there's almost some level of shame where they don't share everything. Yeah. How do you as a therapist sort of firstly, can you tell like I imagine there's tells for stuff like that. But how do you encourage men to share the things that they're ashamed, maybe for, for lack of a better term? There, there are tells that tells you she's like, oh, it's good. It's fine. It's all right. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's great. I'm glad things are going well. But then you kind of do, I always say, um, as a therapist, you kind of know how to take the backdoor approach to things. You're like, great. It's good. I understand that. I'm glad things are going well. Well, what, what did you do? Like, how, what made that go so well yesterday? And then it's like, I went through the back door. I'm not going to go through the front door because that's where you expect me to go. But like, oh, so you did this with them and you had that conversation. That's great. Oh, you said that? Interesting. What made you say this over that? And then you start having this conversation. And, you know, 45 minutes later, they're like, you tricked me. I didn't trick you. We (laughs) (laughs) We just had a different way of approaching it that doesn't allow you to feel maybe, like you said, ashamed or judged. Because I think... Most people expect somebody to come bursting through the front door and being like, well, why would you do this? And you think about maybe how you were raised or what you experienced in your past. It's like, I'm really afraid and protective of that front door. And so therapy kind of says, you know, we don't have to barge through everything. If we want to talk about really light things, that's okay. And I've had times where I've spent sessions with people talking about like their cats and their dog and their this, like really surface level things so that we can build that trust that you were talking about. And they're Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I understand that you're not going to look at me like that. I see that you're not judging me. So like, I, I, I'm okay to like open the door a little bit more. Um, and it's kind of like any relationship, right? You don't just start off and just pour everything out. You got to make sure that the person can hold what's in front of you. And that's exactly what happens in therapy. Is there I don't, maybe there isn't, but is there a set number of sessions that you think is a good number? A lot of guys will think, okay, I went to a session, I'm good. That's it. I've done the one. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, and some people, it's the checkoff, right? Yeah, Especially oh, yeah. if you're going because somebody else told you you should go to therapy. Yeah. Um, they're like, well, I went and I did it and everything's great. Um, I don't, I personally don't have a number that I do. And I think it depends on the type of therapy that you get. Some are like, okay, the short term, it's like 10 sessions. It's this. I don't have a number because we're here to work on whatever it is that you bring to the table. Um, and sometimes when you bring in one thing, you're like, oh, I didn't realize underneath there was this and this and this so you don't know how many sessions could take and I have people that I've had with me for years that are just like I just need someone to talk to because maybe there is judgment in my family and the circles that I'm in and so I want a space that doesn't give me that and just allows me to take up time and I think it's cool we don't get to like think of it this way when you uh, talk about yourself when you are speaking about you more than anything else people are like oh you're so like you're taking up all the space you're so self-centered or you're so this 
therapy allows you to do that and not have to worry about somebody else being like, well, you can ask about me now. Like, what about me? Like, no, this is yeah. all your space yeah. for you to unpack and process everything you might be feeling. And then it moves into a space of maintaining. And it's like, hey, I have people just come back and be like, oh, I did this with like my partner yesterday and it worked really well. Or here's what I, you know, went through in my career and I managed it this way. So mm. it doesn't always have to be unpacking the hard stuff. I think sometimes it could be about maintaining too. That's fascinating, the maintaining part, because you don't typically associate therapy with that element. You yeah. usually think I'm only going to see a therapist if there's a problem. But sometimes you can go to say, here's where I'm at in my journey since we last spoke. Yeah, and I just want to keep it that way, right? Or yeah. are there new tools and tips that I can use um, to help me not go to help my brain not go into that space first, mm. and then I have to always pull it back, right. right? Like, what can I do? So yes, therapy is for maintaining as well. You don't have to be a hot mess. You don't have to have everything falling apart for you to be like, I need a space that's for me. Yeah. What about maybe not a formal ther therapy session, but creating safe spaces at home? Ooh, what do you mean by it? So oftentimes, for the people who are accustomed to therapy and, and are comfortable seeing a therapist, they know what to expect. Mm -hmm. They go into a safe space, they have a conversation, they finish their session, they go home. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to create a safe space at home to have similar conversations, not to be a therapist, but to have conversations with their partners or their family members or their friends, what could people do? to move in that direction so that it's not just when they're in the office having a conversation, but it's their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. And that's what therapy does teach you, right? It's it's about learning stuff in that space that you can use in your everyday life, whether you're at work, whether you're at home. And a lot of it is giving you the courage to maybe express something mm -hmm. uh, through words or through behaviors. It's about in creating a space, safe space at home. It's about knowing like, does everybody understand what my boundary is, right? And I'm not, I'm going to be very honest. There are certain cultures and certain spaces where you're like, I can't tell somebody what to do or what that looks like if you're talking to a parent and mm -hmm. things of that nature, yeah, yeah. right? Like I can't tell my parent like, well, this is my boundary, right? They're like, well, then find somewhere else to live. <laughs> um, a lot but, of older parents don't understand boundaries. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And they feel like you're being rude or you're trying okay. to take yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and so it's therapy allows you to be like, okay, is it a boundary that I can set in words or do I need to set one through actions? Is it a boundary that I'm maybe not going to be able to, to set? And that's the reality of it too. But what do I have to do as a person to make sure that my space feels safe for me? So is it knowing I walk outside every time this happens or I avoid maybe this time of day at that place? Hmm. That is the reality for some people. But if you do have a space where people, you can talk to them, um, it's about not using assumptions all the time and saying like, you know what, here's how this feels for me. Can we have a conversation about it and see if we can, you know, find a middle ground and balance things out? Because I don't want to feel like this any longer, but I don't want to rupture our relationship either. And so therapy can help you figure out the words, the behaviors, the actions to create safer spaces at home and at work. Are there any negatives to therapy? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. That is a very good question. Are there negative parts to it? I think what people would consider being a negative part is the emotions that come up, yeah. right? The feelings that we've packed away for so long and it's like, oh, I don't want to feel that. And I think because we have the idea that there are negative emotions and it's they get in the way of things, nobody's going to want to have to feel that. That's all, that's all within growth. Exactly. And that's what exactly I was about to say. It's not really a negative emotion. It's an emotion that we have to process. It's real. Um, we would never tell somebody, stop being happy. Yeah. Right. Like, why are you so happy? Don't be happy. And it makes you kind of wonder, like, why do we tell somebody stop being sad? Like, there's something that's causing this person to be sad yeah. or angry. Yeah. Instead, why don't we ask, like, well, how do you how are you dealing with that? What do you need from it? Is there scenarios where like I'm wondering, imagine going to to, to do a session and then you unpack something that's very heavy and then all of a sudden time's up person's got to go home but that's all still lingering and unresolved mm -hmm. and that's why you go to a professional because they know what we're unpacking they know how heavy that might be right. and they know when the time is approaching and so let's figure out how we take care of that feeling because we do have to wrap it up mm. right let's make sure that we give you some tools and tips for when you are getting off the call what is it you're going to do to pour back into yourself maybe you're about to head to work and it's like before you go straight into work 
give yourself two minutes or three minutes to do, you know, the exercise that we talked about that really helps you with like your breathing or feeling grounded, or maybe it's, you know, having your favorite tea or drink, right? That makes you feel warm inside. And so that's gonna help you when you transition back into that space and be like, okay, I was here, now I'm going over here, and now I can go back to work, Hmm. right? Um, It's not about taking it away, but it's about putting it back to where it needs to go until I have a safe space again to unpack it. You mentioned techniques that you can do. Is there generic ones that people can apply just in their everyday lives? Yeah. So, for example, you hear people talk about breathing all the time, right? And, you know. Sorry, why is that so? Why is breathing such an important part? You hear it all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. if if you're about to get angry, just take a few breaths. If you're feeling anxious, just take a breath, take a moment. Think about when you panic, right? Doesn't it usually feel like a shortness of breath? It feels like everything's like tightening and everything's going inwards. And so what breathing does is it goes, okay, let's give all the, you know, the parts of our body that use oxygen, which is every part of our body, let's give it more of that. Let's give it a way for us to be like, okay, I, I know that you need more of this, Let's calm down, let's breathe, let's not be so tight, let's loosen ourselves. And so that's why breathing is really helpful because when you're in a state of panic, when you're in a state of like, um, yeah, when you're in a state of panic and your body goes in, it's harder to breathe. And what breathing does is it lets everything kind of go back out and it lets it relax and go back to that state. So breathing is a really good one. There's so many different breathing exercises. Look them up, like go through them, play with them and see which one works for you, right? Um, Another one that I find for people who are like maybe in a panicky state, which is really helpful, I say get a really cold glass of like water. Even if you're good with like fizzy water or carbonated water, take that and use a straw and feel the change in the temperature. Right. So feel when it goes, okay, like the bubbles are now turning like flat or it was cold and now it's warm. Really taking time basically to focus on something else. Right. Right. And take away from what panic is happening in your head and in your body uh, are really two good, really ways to start with things. Is there something specific that happens to the brain when all like when the panic sets in that all of a sudden you feel like you've lost control of your thoughts. Yeah, and that's why we hear about like flight or flight, right? Or freeze. And because our or fawn, because our body is going, how do I respond? How do I protect you? And so your brain is an amazing thing and it's going Janelle's going through something or something's scaring her, something's happening. How do I protect her? And it's going to your brain doesn't know when it should not do that protection, you have to tell it, Mm. right? So automatically it's gonna go, that's a threat, that's something that I have to protect you from. You have to learn, and that's what therapy can do, is give you the awareness and the tools to be like, ooh, how do I learn to calm my body down when it's just doing what it's naturally supposed to do? How do you not, or not how how do, what are some things that you do to help you not take everything home with you because obviously like your bad days your bad day at work would be a lot different than my bad day at work because your bad day at work is a very mentally i don't know i want to say draining but very mentally taxing taxing yes day so like if you have like let's say you have three four clients and it's they've because I, when I go to health things, like, I want to tell you everything, same thing you're saying. So they tell you, and anything, everything could be anything. Mm-hmm. So you could have a day with just, you just, holy fuck, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Now you got to go home and. Your home has to be, at least for me, has to be a space that's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. My home has to be a place to me that is just full of laughter and joy and things around me that I know I could pick that up really easily. And so if it means having family around, um, if it means being able to call somebody when I need to, it's just like, oh, I could. I know another thing that I'll, I'll share is I am a advocate watcher of like ratchet television stuff that has no <laughs> no concept no purpose Mine it probably is, is poison to your brain it is definitely <laughs> <laughs> i will definitely do like real housewives of okay. atlanta or potomac or so and everyone's like you watch that like <laughs> you're such a like you love like you know yeah. stimulating your brain i was like and i love turning it off yeah right and this is what allows me to turn it off and that's what I like to create is like, what are the things that allow me to turn off my brain? Whether it's something like that. Um, I love like just coloring and just like, you know, just let me color in a book. Um, and it has no rhyme or reason to things. And so those things are really important for me to decompress so that mm. I can be ready the next day to take on a bunch of stuff again and be able to support people in the space that I create. I've heard about the coloring thing a lot. Yeah. Adult coloring books, yeah. Yeah, yeah it does work, especially adult coloring books. Yeah, I've, 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 I've one that's pretty, it has like a lot of like, 
fuck this fuck oh but the like, swearing one the fuck yeah, off yeah, color yeah, 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 that yeah. is my favorite that's what I use <laughs> I need to get this what is this I have that one and he's just like just like you coloring but like in the middle of it's always just like fuck this or like yeah, it's like this fucking sucks something like, like this something. shitty ass day right yeah. like that type of thing and it's like you know what that's the page I'm but coloring it's like, but it's like a, like, a, well, like just you color it anyone it's like flowers or like yeah. some kind of random picture it's just cause it's just the coloring yeah. just lose your mind in the coloring yeah. of it I love it huh. you should get it I should get one of these that's fun what about exercise so important the connection Why? between your physical and mental self is huge we hear people talk about like what are the endorphins that come from exercising and let me say this not everybody is going to go get that runner's high right i am not a runner but i love like weightlifting. i love mm-hmm. things of that nature and that makes me feel good usually you hear people go and they'll say they work out and they'll be like i don't feel like going but when i'm done you feel like a sense of accomplishment. And what it does is it allows your brain to release happy hormones to be like, you did something. Think of it this way. You ever, any, either one of you like a list person, like you love writing things down? Yeah. Okay, what's better than writing things down? Checking them off. Exactly, right? Actually like really scratching it <laughs> Like <out>. scratching <laughs> it or ripping the sticky note and yeah. being like, I'm done. Yeah. That sense of completion. Well, that's kind of what working out is, right? It's a sense of completion and accomplishment that allows us to feel really, really good. Um, our body, as we, not only feel good, but then we start to see changes, right? To be like, oh, I feel like healthier. I feel like I could, you know, walk up those stairs or, you know, after I ate this, I feel way better than when I eat that. And so it does help you in that sense. Um, And I think exercise doesn't have to be something heavy. Another thing I always say to people, it can mean just walking out and absorbing sunshine, right? Like, Which we don't get enough of. Exactly. And people are like, well, why does the sun work? Like, why does everybody always say, go get some sunlight? And I think what it does is it allows you to feel something else. So usually you're inside, our days are gray these days, they're cold, they're gloomy, but you go outside and you feel the sun hit you amongst the wind and the snow and it's like, oh, there's something else there. That's what it really is supposed to do is create that vitamin D that allows you to feel something else, to be like, whatever I'm going through, that's not the only feeling that exists. Is there a noticeable or a evidence-based difference between people who live in warmer climates with more consistent sun versus people who live like us in Toronto? Yeah, there definitely is a lot of research, research to show why the sun is so beneficial because think of it this way. When you have to, somebody says, well, meet me here, go outside in the middle of February, minus 24 degrees. Do you want to go? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And we would find even more reasons to stay in our house because it's like, well, that's, it's, Look at outside, I'm not going yeah. out there. But when we go on vacation, you feel that 24 degree positive weather and it's like, well, I want to go out here. I can't wait to go outside. You hear, like you tell yourself, I'm not staying in a hotel room the entire time. I didn't come here to stay in a hotel. I came to yeah. get outside yeah. and explore and you know, give myself experiences and meet people and soak up the sun. That's why in those places, I think people naturally are just like, well, I don't have to fight so much mm. to do the things that are actually enjoyable for us as human beings. The the concept of work is always very interesting to me because a lot of people take their work home. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have a hard time shutting their brains off and then it starts to seep into their abilities to to do anything else, to sleep, and then it just starts to compound. Is there, and, and I know it sounds like I'm asking you for like, what's the recipe too, but what, what can people do to legitimately just say, you know what, like my work day ends at this time. I'm going to focus on other things. Would you like to hear the formula? Would you uh, like to hear the best piece of advice Is it the Real Housewives of New Jersey? The Housewives (laughs) of Toronto by a licensed therapist. No. (laughs) (laughs) The best piece of advice I can give when it comes to work is the reminder to whoever feels like they're that workaholic, they have to get everything done, they have to check everything off the list, is the truth is that work never finishes. I don't care who you are, you finish your entire list. Mm. I guarantee you before you're going to bed or the next day, you've already started a new one. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves the work never finishes, but I can. As a human being, you can get burnt out. You can go to complete exhaustion. So it's really important that you figure out what do I need to do for me in order for me to keep going, right? Like, Mm. where do I put me into my day? And if you're that person that just works and nonstop, I need you to ask yourself, how do I make sure that I'm taken care of throughout my workday? Don't feel like it has to be, I have to check everything off, then it's me, because the truth is, we're usually gonna have a lot more things to do and we only get like the smallest amount of time. Think about, you know, do I need to give myself time in the beginning of the day? Do I need to insert something midway? What do I need to do so that I can keep going? And I always say, you don't have to earn rest, you deserve it. 
Mm-hmm. And if we think of the concept of like sports and we throw that into there, you and I were having this conversation. I was like, there's breaks, there's halftime, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there, there's pauses in games for a reason. Everybody understands that you need a minute or two. Yeah. Why don't we do that for ourselves as well? When was the last time you gave yourself a minute or two? Do you think current workplace culture or, or corporate culture allows for those? I need to take a moment. We're getting better. I think there are places that are getting better and understanding more that it's people that run a company. Hmm. They're humans. They're not robots. How do we make sure we take care of people so that our company can still be what it is today? Um, and I applaud those places who hear this message or who have heard it. I applaud those places who are like, let's keep this hybrid model Like when it comes to returning to work since the pandemic. Because for some people, it really did help. Right? They're like, I can throw something in the oven. I could put laundry in yeah. and do this so I don't have to burn myself out after during the day. Um, some people are like, no, I, I liked going in. That was the separation that I needed because maybe everybody else is at home, mm. right? And so I love places that I have understood that there isn't a one size fits all, right? We're all different and that break might look different for everybody else. Those places that have more compressed work days or work weeks, all of that is another thing that helps. I think we do need to remember that it's people that run the companies that we work in and take care of those people. Yeah, I think what helps with that too, I think recently they took away that you don't have to have your reason why for like um, if you're calling in sick. Some places, yes. Right? And I yes. think that's good too because I work in a restaurant a lot and they took that away too and I was like, just if you're having a bad day, just call in sick. You don't have to give it. And it's good because you don't need a reason why because it's like if you're feeling, if I'm not coming in today, like it doesn't really matter what the reason is. I'm still not coming in. Right? The truth right? is a lot of people are going to lie about that reason yeah, anyways. Yeah, I know. And it's <laughs> yeah. just like, it's like, why do, like, it's like, <laughs> Only if the if, if you feel the reason's good enough, then you're gonna be okay with it. But like, and that's and that's why I find it hard too. It's like if I'm not coming, I'm not coming in. It's like, funny like, you say like, that. Or like, want a day off? Like, I'm I'm not gonna come. Like, I'm gonna take these three days off. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter why. Like, See, like, I have on, on the flip side. I have this complex where I I'm, I feel guilty if I take time off. Mm-hmm. Like I'm letting someone down, or they're gonna think less of me as a as a worker or whatever. And it's led me to points of complete burnout because yeah. I overworked and did nothing to, to to give myself a break. And I think we we learn, think of it this way too, you go to school, like we learn like this, almost this, you have to take the route, right? Like you go to school, what's the purpose of going to school? Because you have to get a what? A job. Right? And not just yeah. any job, you got to get a good job, right? You got to get a job Nowadays, that takes yeah. care of you. <laughs> and then they go, okay, well, once you got the good job or once you have something, don't mess it up, mm. right? You calling in sick or you not being there, it's going to mess it up. You have to be perfect. And I think that whole stereotype of like, be that perfect worker doesn't account for the reality of like, you will get sick. You will have the days that you just don't want to do something you might find something else that you rather do that day like it doesn't allow life for a person to insert and i really appreciate places like you were talking about that say like you know here like here's your mental health days yes there's your sick days but here's an additional set of days just for you to take when you're just not feeling it you're not sick you just might need a day yeah i just might need a moment you just need a day no sometimes you just need a day to do Whatever like family whatever. errands, sometimes, sometimes but the fact that that's lingering over you is causing you stress because you're like, how am I going to find the time for all that if you could take one day, just knock it all out? Or even a day to do nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like it's like an extra day, okay, this is my day I'm going to take off to do nothing. Not to run errands and be ex- and stressed that I don't have any rest. It's like when you go on vacation mm. and as you come back and need a vacation from vacation. Every day off, you need a day off from the day off because you do everything on the day off. So, you know, you just need a day just to do nothing. Everything else runs the same so you can have that day and it's like, okay, just pause. Mm. I think we need more days like that. You see how we get so excited for like long weekends? I know we just had one. Mm. And we're just like, ooh, I can't wait for the long weekend because I need that extra day. And it's like, why do we always have to wait until somebody schedules extra day that you're not actually going to use for you? You're probably like, ooh, I have to clean up. I got to run errands. I got to do this. And it doesn't actually become that day that Mm. you need in Mm. order to get back to what you got to do. I just stuff my days yeah. with things to do. I, if I'm not doing something, I feel unproductive. I feel like I'm behind. Mm-hmm. It's and just that, chronic. And that's the thing. <laughs> that whole productivity is set in, and I think this happens for a lot of men, where mm. productivity is so much rooted in work versus productivity can also be you taking care of you and yep. just relaxing and just resting. That's productive. Okay. Let's unpack that then. <laughs> How do we do that? Because... I fully admit I struggle with that. If I have, if I wake up tomorrow mm-hmm. and 
I have X things to do and I decide I'm not going to do something. Or even if I woke up and I actually legitimately had nothing to do, I still feel like I'm falling behind somehow. And it just compounds as the day goes on. And then I feel like I've wasted a day. Yeah, because you're, it's almost like we tell ourselves we're not allowed to use a day for that. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what it's meant for. It's meant to catch up. It's meant to be ahead of something. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to ask yourself, why, give me something that you like to do. you like doing? Like enjoy enjoy? Yeah, what do you enjoy doing? I enjoy playing video games. Okay, why? Because uh, it's the only thing that allows me to completely turn my brain off and focus on one thing. Okay. And so, I get to socialize with friends. Okay, so that, it's you being, you're allowing yourself just a moment for you. Mm. right you feel like you're kind of in a zone and you're like i don't get that much because i'm doing so many other things i get to socialize with people i want you to tell yourself the end goal of that right like i want you to tell yourself here's why i want to play this video game because somebody else might think you're just well you're not doing anything you're just playing a video game no i'm giving myself some time to zone and i'm giving myself some time to relax i'm giving myself an opportunity to socialize with people that is what i need so Mm. think about when you are saying no that's not productive i want you to go past the chatter in your head for a second, the chatter from other people, and go, what do I get out of this thing that I really want to do? Mm, and okay. those were the three things that I heard in what you said, and tell yourself, well, that's what I'm getting out of it. I'm not just playing video games aimlessly for the sake of it. Right. I'm getting something out of it, and I like playing video games. <laughs> There's a reprieve in there. Exactly, exactly. What about you? What, what's what's your thing that you like to do? Oh, I have so many things I like to do, but <laughs> <laughs> just like to, to be out with friends. Yeah. I think that that's my, that's my. Do you check your phone? I'm out with friends. No, no. Well, you're we a good play. friend. No, <laughs> but, but also when I'm at home, I'm on I'm on my phone a lot when I'm at home. I hate how much so, I'm on my phone. But like when I'm out, like no. Oh, can I give a tip for you? I'm coming back to you. Yeah. I'm coming back to you. Can I give a tip for you with your Please. phone? Okay, I know there's a lot of people that are like glued to their phone, um, and they're like, well, and it makes sense if that's you. Uh, our banks on our phone, a calculator, like everything is on your phone. You don't need to find anything else. Hmm. And so I say, if you find that you're that person that wakes up in the morning and you're like, where are you phone, <laughs> right? Um, try putting it like at the end of your bed or in the bathroom or in the living room and see what you do as soon as you wake up and you know that it's not beside you anymore. Right. Do you lay in your bed for like a few more minutes? Do you go like, oh, I'm going to go like grab a coffee i'm gonna go do like a routine first see if you panic (laughs) because the phone's not beside you and what do i need because i think sometimes if you keep doing that for a bit and you allow yourself to um get a routine of like okay five minutes for just me before i grab my phone you might realize i put in something really important in my day for five minutes whether that's journaling just laying in my bed talking to a loved one what is that that Mm -hmm. i'm now giving myself that i didn't have before that all do you have a clock in your room no see, see, i knew this belongs, i knew this was see? coming i was like i'm waiting for something to be like but my alarm yeah, clock phone, no yeah. i thought about that and i knew i would get a rebuttal so i was yeah. like i'm not you're gonna, like, say, I'm not gonna it. say well let me give it to you anyways um you're still gonna hear it put it on yeah. right yeah. like put it on put it in the kitchen so it's like okay i gotta get up and i i turn it off mm. but tell myself because i got up now and i just press the button maybe i'll walk away for a second maybe i won't go look and see what everything is because when you're laying in your bed it's like you press it but Mm-hmm. You're there, right? Mm-hmm. And you just keep going. The other solution is go old school. Go get, they're so nice now. We got like those nice analog digital yeah, clocks. Even like that, a Google Home you can do. Right? That's what I, get your Google Home to wake you up and it says yeah. now turn it off. I have one of those. Google, yeah, yeah. It's my alarm. Then it's just, but then it's like stop and I go back to sleep. Sometimes. The only thing <laughs> yeah. I don't like about it, I don't know about you, but that thing just sounds obnoxious. <laughs> like the alarm on it is just not nice to me. I'm like, it needs some softer sounds. Google, if you're listening, soften the alarms because nobody wants to wake up in a panic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a problem. Um, so the component of, you know, you put like the scrolling, mm-hmm. the mindless, the, the, the mindless, Scrolling. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna, th- I was gonna say something else, and I lost it. But doing all of that, that's gotta mess with your brain, especially for younger, younger people. Like, I grew up at a point where the first like Nokia and whatever the thing you could <laughs> throw it at a wall and it wouldn't break. But now it's like kids are coming out, and then they've got kids. All, like, and sorry, they've got kids. <laughs> they've got cell phones. The kids got kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they've got cell phones already. They're mm-hmm. like in elementary school. They're 10 years old. They've got cell phones. And again, they're just scrolling, and they're used to that. And their attention spans are shortening and shortening and shortening. What 
what real impact does that have on people's oh, brains? It's so weird because it's like a catch-22 because that generation that's coming up now that uses a phone, they're about to be the smartest set of people we've right. ever had, right? Like, think of what a baby can do, know how to unlock a phone and do all this. Like, that's we're going to be, we are going to be well taken care of, right? Because <laughs> these these little geniuses are in the making. But at the same time, like you said, they have access to so much things. Like, they don't have to look for anything. They don't have to use their imagination as much. I have nieces and nephews, and I asked them one day, I'm like, hey, like, you guys just go play. And I, like, took all the tech stuff. Hmm. They're like, with what? <laughs> and I was like, use your imagination. Well, we need something, right? We need something <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. And I'm like, it's so different from like how I grew up and was like, let's go play outside. Let's go run around. Let's go yeah. do this. You make a game out of anything. Right? Can figure something out. Use that as, like, you know, use <laughs> yeah. something as this. This is the place and made a game. And I think what our phones are doing now, even for us as adults, is it's just kind of, we're just zoomed into like a life that's not ours for a second. If you think about it, we usually go to it to be like, ooh, what's happening here? Mm. What's going on here? It's a way of distracting us from everything that's maybe happening within us or around us, and we go into somebody else's reality for a second. So I get why it's so attractive. So it's escapism. Yeah, and I think what that's what makes it so attractive. That makes what that's what makes online so interesting. But then it's also it's the place where you get information. It's the place where you have to process what's right information, what's wrong information. So it really is complicated, and that's why it's so important to give yourself some time away from it hmm. like really give yourself some time away so you can sit in your reality for a bit so you're talking about like detoxing from your phone yeah every once in a while like if it means every day i'm the type of person i and i share this with my clients all the time set like the the sleep piece on your mm. phone so that like it doesn't give you the notifications you don't feel and that's what notifications are for like psychologically they're meant to get you to go back into the app mm. right there's a reason it dings there's a reason why it looks the way it does the reason why don't you get part of the message yes there's a lot of psychological piece in there because if you see part of a message what are you going to go do you're gonna open it. And you you're gonna know. click it to read the rest, mm -hmm. right? And so, if you don't get those notifications, you're like, I don't have anything to go to. You'll find yourself at first, and trust me, I went through this detox before. You'll find like nobody messaged me. <laughs> Let me see. But then you'll realize like, what am I going towards? Like, right. what am I looking for? Let me go do something for me. I don't know. Like for me, I took all the notifications off mine. But my theory is. I pick up my phone within three times to pick up my phone I'm gonna check Instagram with these so like I don't miss anything really mm -hmm. right so like all, all I'm doing is missing the notification I'm not missing not like I'm gonna not like because I don't same thing about it not because you don't get the notification not like you're not gonna check Instagram until you get a notification at least you'd be like why haven't I got a notification but you'll still end up still checking it so you're client number two for me so here's what <laughs> here's what I tell client number two Okay, great. You're going to go on social media. Mm. You're going to pick up your phone and you actually pay attention. If you ever looked on the thing on your phone, I think if you, I don't know if Androids and stuff have it, I'm pretty sure they do. But like on iPhone, it says like how many times you pick up your phone just mm. in general. Okay. And sometimes it's really interesting because I could picked up my phone this many times in one day. Why? Like that sounds crazy. I didn't know you could do that. Um, but when you go into it and you go into those apps, like set a timer on it. Be like, okay, fine. I do want to escape my world mm. for a second. I do want to see what people are doing. But set the timer to pop up to be like, hey, you've been on here for 30 minutes. Yeah. Right. And then if the popper, the timer comes up again and then it's another 30 minutes, you know, you've been on here for an hour. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like you check yourself a bit and you're like, oh, OK, I'm here. I told myself I can do 30 minutes, but I'm at an hour. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to put this down. Hmm. It's just a pause and a break for us to like think, why am I in here? And let it be more intentional if it can. Yeah, like I'll be honest, I'll be scrolling like oh, I'm on Instagram for too long. I'm like five, four, five, four, three, five. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, like it's just I'm just on it sometimes. That's me and TikTok. I think that, yeah. I think that's why also too. Like when I'm out and you're asking, like I'm not I'm not on my phone at all. Like I'm out like it's just because like I know when I'm at home, I'm on myself and I'm on it. And I'm on I'm on it too much when I'm at home by myself. So I'm like at least when I'm out, I think also why like being out too like then I'm away from my phone, I'm away from everything. And it's like you know what, live in the moment. I guess something when I'm to at enjoy, home. like yeah. that reality, yeah. right? But when you're sitting by yourself at home, you're like, I don't know if I want to hear everything that's happening mm -hmm. in my head or pay <laughs> attention to everything that's around me. I want to escape, and I'm yeah. going to go to my phone. I wonder if there's like the, from the travel perspective because now we we you know the minute there's something happening, mm -hmm. like I saw this photo when LeBron uh, broke the record recently. Mm -hmm. And in the photo was him taking the shot and everybody had their phone up. And I think it was his wife that was just standing there with no phone, nothing, watching it, being present. And I thought it was such a fascinating moment because um, she was just taking it all in, being present. But everybody else had their phone out. And I'm wondering why we feel the need to 
see the world through our little devices. Because, you know, you can't post it if you didn't take a picture of it, right? Like the whole- Picture didn't happen. (laughs) Right, it didn't happen, right? And I think we are in a world where highlights are so glorified. Mm. Um, And when you really look at social media, most people aren't posting their hard days or their heavy days, they're posting the best ones. And we then start saying, oh, I have to either capture my best ones or I have to create them because this is what makes your life real. This is what gets everybody to see that you're doing well. Um, And that's not the case at all, right? Like you picked that moment to post, that's why it's there, not, you didn't maybe get to enjoy it, right? And I love the fact that she got to just sit there and soak something in because it happened. We all know it happened, but you get to lock that in your brain. You don't forget that just because you didn't take a photo of it. And so I say, really, if you're finding yourself comparing your life and things to what you see on social media, the person with the car and the yacht and the big house and this, um, on the many trips, it's like, well, they snapped that for a reason, right? they're probably not showing you all the hard days that maybe came with all of that or the right. fact that it's not their yacht and they're just on it, right? <laughs> like whatever that is, um, don't forget about your reality and like make time for your highlight reels in your life. I think the comparative part is is a really big one, especially for men. Mm-hmm. I, I know that, you know, when I was growing up, I'm still growing up, but when I was younger, <laughs> I would compare myself to a lot of people I saw on social media. And that was my 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 measuring stick is they had a car before I had a car, they're more successful than I am. Mm -hmm. They traveled to places I wanted to see and I had never been there yet, they were more successful than I was. And that fed this sort of negative loop of why am I not where I wanna be? What am I doing wrong? And then rather than focusing on actually building my path, Mm -hmm. I focused more on what they were doing. Yeah, and you miss that on your world, right? When you're yeah. watching somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say comparison is the thief of all joy because if you're staring over here at that world, what's happening with yours? When do, when do you get to build yours? When do you get to enjoy it? Mm-hmm. And like so that. it's really important that we realize that like, naturally, yes, I think everybody compares. And I think for men, definitely it happens. I think there's a lot of stereotypes and stigma of what you should have that counts as being manly, right? And so you feel like if I don't have that, I'm less than. but if you keep looking at somebody else's, how do you ever get that for yourself? Hmm. If you keep staring at that, how do you know what's meant for you? So really pay attention to what you value, what matters to you, what do you want to be your highlight reel versus to versus what you think it should be the highlight reel because somebody else has it. That concept of being manly, how much of a barrier does that uh, create when you're working with, I mean, obviously you don't have to name clients or anything, but like in general, how much of a barrier is the concept of I have to be a man so I don't do therapy, I don't show emotions, I'm only here because someone told my girl told me to be here, yeah. so I'm only doing it for her. Like how much of an obstacle is that? You know what? It's the it's the one thing I love breaking down the most. Um, <laughs> because what I love about the spaces that I get to work in is that I get to see people and I go, You're a human being and I will every time I see somebody, whether they're trying to keep their shit together, whether they're trying to be manly, whatever that is, I was like, okay, but you just told me that this person you've been with for the last 15 years broke up with you. Whether you're a man, woman, whatever, you're a human being, that that hurts, yeah. right? Like, I'm talking to you as the person that went through a breakup that is hurting, that is real. That has nothing to do with your gender. That has nothing to do with what the world expects of you. It is a real feeling and emotion, and I think sometimes, being able to create and remind people of like the humanistic parts of us to be like happy, angry, frustrated, sad, defeated, all of those things are real. And I love the fact that I get to create a space that allows people to be like, you can be real here. It has nothing to do with being a man or not. Like it has the fact that you just got hurt and that's what a human body would do and how a human body would respond for somebody who's hurt. It sucks how how much we struggle as men to just accept that. Yeah. We're in pain. Yeah. I think it's hard to when the world doesn't allow you to feel pain. The world sometimes looks at you as like, how dare you do that? Like, why can't you hold all of that in? Why can't you just keep it together? And it's like, but who does? Like, who does? Like, who, how, everybody has a breaking point. Everybody has a point of where things get too heavy. And why should somebody have to hold more than the other just because of a gender? Like, that's not fair. 
mm. at all. Um, and I love that so many more people in, you know, sports, in other, in like the, the entertainment industry, um, just people that we all look up to and feel like, oh, they must not feel anything, are being so open about what they are experiencing and feeling. And I think that's helping other people, especially men, say like, oh, See, I knew that was real. Like, I knew I was okay. Yeah, I'm allowed yeah. to feel that. Let me go talk to somebody about it if I can. It's so interesting you say that. I remember when DeMar DeRozan was still playing for the Raptors and he openly talked about how he was struggling mentally. Mm -hmm. And for maybe two weeks prior to that, he just wasn't performing well. Mm -hmm. He got a pass in some ways. Like, okay, yeah, okay, we get it. And in other ways, people still shat on him for that. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this guy is putting himself out there. He, he doesn't have to, but he's putting himself out there. And there's still like negativity being spewed back. And it got me wondering how athletes, which you work with, mm -hmm. tend to deal with a lot of that. Especially because they're so public facing. Every Their best moments and their worst moments are public. I think it's hard just for anybody and I want you to think of anybody who has to perform or has a high performing type of job or career, right? Mm -hmm. You feel like all eyes are on you and everybody's watching everything that you do. And I can't mess up. I can't show that I'm a human being because people maybe don't look at you as the human. They look at you as the forward. They look at you as the CEO. They look at you as, you know, the CFO of a company or this big entrepreneur. And so you're like, I'm not allowed to show who I am as a person. Um, and that's hard. It's hard when you feel like I can't show the parts of me that are going through things because that is the same part of me that is building this company. That's the same part of me that's performing on the field, on the ice, on the court, whatever that may look like. Um, and I'm just really happy that there's more people like me being placed into organizations to say, let's talk to the people. Let's make sure the person is okay. Let's make sure that not just the athlete, not just the CFO, not just the entrepreneur is doing well. The person that's behind all of that is okay. Mm. Um, and I think there are a lot of companies like we were talking about earlier that are starting to recognize if I need this to run, I need the people to run. So who takes care of the people? Who helps the people run? Yeah. And are you fine? So you're seeing that more organizations, both sports and traditional are, are, are moving in that direction. Yeah, I think they're really starting to consider more of, and I think the, the pandemic was like a big push for it to be like, it's almost like the, the, C the CEO who usually has all their shit together, well, they fell apart too, yeah. right? And they're like, oh man, like if I'm falling apart and I'm looked at this person supposed to have the whole world together, what about the people underneath? What about the people I keep pushing all my work to? What about the people I keep telling we have to do this? Do I have somebody to help all of us? Are we are our policies and procedures and the things that we're doing, are they supporting the person, whether that's through equity, diversity, inclusion, all of those other things that are very much connected to mental health? Are we including all of that in our spaces? When you deal with an athlete, I assume that it's usually they have it's optional if they want to go to you. Um, why isn't it more mandatory? Like why like even like with, with anything, like people know you have to go to the dentist. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not like you have to go to the therapist it's true right why isn't it why isn't that and that's what i was asking like negatives of therapy earlier and it's like why isn't it at least in your opinion why isn't it more like this is something that has to be done not not to be nice it'd be nice if you go to therapy because it'd be good for it helps you out but it's like you have to go to the dentist <laughs> like whether you like it or not you got to go to the dentist mm -hmm. or your teeth can be fucked up right which is so why isn't it like, you have to go to the therapist whether you like it or not you have to go to the therapist like your life's gonna be fucked up kind of thing i think it goes back to what we were talking about before where therapy is just seen as a place to go when everything's falling apart or talking to a therapist is only from falling apart, whereas the other things like a doctor, a dentist, we do those such as like routine maintenance things or preventative things, mm. right? And that's what I was trying to share earlier is that therapy also counts for prevention. It is mm. also a space that you can go to to ensure that you don't just crumble and fall apart, that you learn things along the way. And I think as we're starting to shift things, I think people are starting to see that it can be a preventative thing. I don't have to go when you know shit hits yeah. the fan right. um, and it's being accepted more. And that's why it's coming into spaces to be like, if our physical health is really important and we realize that we need to do preventative care, such as like, you know, you have to have a physiotherapist and you need a nutritionist and you need a doctor and a dentist to take care of your body, well then, why does this part where we take care of our mind any different? And I think that's why a lot of spaces are saying, you know what, let's do preventative care there and bring people in. Preventative, I like that, yeah. And so maintenance I, of it too, so it's... Yeah. Preventative and maintenance, I think, are the, the key ones. 
Yeah. It's it's almost it's preventative is on the back. It's like at the the early stages, maintenance is post, and we tend to just go in the middle. Exactly. Exactly. And you see people go like, and I think there's always a fear. There's always been a lot of stigma that like you know therapy is for crazy people, and it's like when there's something wrong with you, or why can't you work something out on your own, and. If you break your leg and you're like you drop off a bike, you're not gonna go. Well, why can't you fix that on your own? Why can't you sew it up, right? <laughs> if you do, then you are crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and exactly when somebody goes like, well, why haven't you gone and got that checked out? That's crazy. There is somebody who is licensed and qualified and has learned how to fix that. Who's can help you and teach you how to repair and you know bring yourself back up. That's why we go to like physio and stuff like that, and right? Stop to, you from not going back and re-injuring that exactly. Injury. That's exactly how I want you to think of a therapist. Mm. When was the last time you saw a therapist? I go every month. Oh, okay. <laughs> every month. Mm. Um, so not only am Sorry, I- Sorry, I hope that was okay. Oh no, I, I will I will share the fact that a lot of you, a lot of therapists have therapists, right? And I feel like it's important to have that as well. Uh, for me, I like we are talking about before, when I talk about a space that brings me joy and what I need for myself to decompress, that is an extension of my space. Hmm. Right. I need somewhere to talk about my things and to process what I feel, because how do I show up for everybody else if I'm holding on to everything and my room is like a hot mess? Right. Is there a scenario where you would say, you know, rather than speaking to your partner, your friend, your family member, you should go speak to the therapist instead? Like uh, I've had people, for example, come to me and say, you know, I'm having a rough day and I'm like, OK, I'm willing to lend an ear. Talk to me. And they'll start to talk and they'll start to sort of convey all these things and then start to ask advice. And I get to a point where I go, you know what, this is actually something that I can give you my advice. But really and truly, I think you should speak to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Is there like a, a how do you know when yeah. how do you know when to speak to a therapist? Like, versus... As much as we want to go and seek out therapy for ourselves, sometimes we have people in our circles who come to us because they don't want to go to a therapist mm -hmm. and you want to be able to recommend it. Yeah, I think. One way is if you notice that somebody is going through something over and over and they keep coming to you with like almost the same thing, or you start to see that it's getting in the way of either, whether it's yourself or somebody else's daily living activities, mm. like they can't, they're not sleeping, they're not eating, it's hard for them to go to work. It's like, no matter what advice you give them, it's still not happening, they're still not moving from that space. That's a really good indicator that you might be like, hey, You've tried everything that I've said. You've tried everything on your own. Maybe it's time to bring in somebody who's qualified to give you some other resources to support that. And sometimes it's taking that person and helping them get there because it might seem a bit terrifying. So if you're not afraid of it, be like, hey, I maybe know a therapist or like, I don't mind helping you look for one or here's a set of emails of where you can go to like, or websites of where you can go to like find a therapist. Mm. Um, I think it's important to have a combination of not just your therapist. It is nice to have other people that you can talk to and bounce things off. But if you realize that you're just playing ping pong with everyone around you and nothing is moving, it might be time for you to go to a space that's a bit more qualified. And is there, where would be the best resource to, to direct someone? Like, is it just run a Google search of whoever's in the area? Is there a database that's like a, a registered place? So there are a few different things. There are such as like Psychology Today is like the big one that a lot of people know if you type in your location and mm. gives you a bunch of profiles and photos of someone. There are... Um, databases specifically for people of color or black individuals. So things like Althea Therapy or Black Therapist List, uh, all of those places are just like for helping people that I really want somebody that can resonate with me, right? right? And I think that's really important too. Sometimes you don't wanna go through and explain everything, right? And you know, the cultural barriers that might be in that way, in the way, um, it's like nice to be able to talk to somebody where I don't have to then put on a mask or take off a mask and worry about all those things. Uh, so there are a lot of spaces and yeah, Google search really can help too. And I am more than happy to share with people if you wanna reach out to me, uh, more than happy to give a bunch of amazing therapists in Toronto that you can get connect with, including those at my practice as well. And what's the best way to get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at jpeterspsychotherapy.com on the internet. You can go to our website and anything you put in there will come directly to me. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at jpeterspsychotherapy. I do send messages and reminders of why you need to take care of you. So even if you're not ready to go to therapy, sometimes it's just seeing the things that are important can mm -hmm. help you be like, Time for me to pause. Don't forget me. What about my awareness? Am I paying attention to that? So a few ways to get in contact with me. I'm more than happy to help if you're looking for someone. 
Love it. First step is asking for help or first step is acknowledging that you need help and then seeking it out. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be so scary. Um, If you don't mind, if we can kind of just talk about like maybe how to approach that where people Mm -hmm. are like, I don't know where to start with therapy. What do I do? I agree with you. Acknowledge that like I did ping pong a lot. I I tried talking to everybody. Everything's still getting in the way. What do I do now is then going online and being like, who who resonates with me as I'm looking through these people on these different platforms? Who do I want to reach out with? And you just ask for a consultation first. Just be like, hey, I've never been to therapy before. And I think when you say that a lot of times, the therapist will help you, Mm. right? They will be like, cool, never been here before. Let me tell you what the space is like. Let me show you what it's like. Let's do a consultation where you get to feel the vibe out and see, do you like this person? Do they match for you? And then you take it from there. And I always say, just like you would get a car, it is okay to shop around with the therapist. It's okay to find what works for you. You're not just going to pick up the first car you see and drive it and be like, ooh, right, this yeah. works. You're going to be like, well, who works best for me? And, and people can do consultations that. for that reason. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what consultations are. Well, exactly. Yeah. Is there a certain type of person that doesn't need a therapist? No. Because I know there are some person that says they don't need one. <laughs> I know there's some people who think they yes. don't need a therapist. <laughs> but I, I would say this. I would say any, everybody can benefit from okay. a therapist. Hmm. And I would probably leave it at that. I think everybody hmm. can benefit from one. Um, we can all benefit from having a space that is meant for us that helps us process things and unpack things. I wouldn't say you have to go to therapy, but I say that everybody should benef- can benefit from going to therapy. Amazing. Everyone can benefit from therapy, so make sure you go out and you seek one because everyone can use it. Exactly. Yes, Janelle, thank you for coming thank through. Of so course, much. thanks Appreciate for you. having me. This <laughs> no, was a this great, great conversation. And it I think was. so many people um, are afraid of this space that you've created and that you're talking about. And yeah. I hope this helped people realize it doesn't have to be so scary. Your therapist isn't going to pick your brain. And I hope that you can see through someone like me that it really is just this, like a conversation like we had here today. Beautiful. I love it. We're going to invite you back. I would love to come back. Amazing. Bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> Janelle, thank you so much. Appreciate we appreciate it. it. Poncho, I appreciate thank you. you. Poncho, thank we you, appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone.